This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week, U.S. Senator from Mississippi, Cindy Hyde-Smith. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. Next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith brings a wealth of agriculture experience to her role in the upper chamber on Capitol Hill. The former Mississippi State Agriculture Commissioner knows the significant role a farm bill plays to the agriculture industry, and she's glad to have this one in the books. Well, you know, the amazing thing was the timing that we got it done so quickly. The 2014 took almost two years, 21 months. We did this in eight months, and it was truly bipartisan from both sides. And as Senator Roberts has stated, you know, if you get one pass, it's got to be bipartisan. So uh, I was really pleased that the timing was there, that the president had signed it into law during that time. You know, the day that the president did sign it into law, we... Uh, I would not leave. We kind of knew we could go home, but I said, no, I'm staying here. I've got to watch him sign that. I've got to make sure it happens. And on that same day, we got called back to D.C., so those who left had to return to D.C. because of other another reason. But it was that important to me that we see this thing through the process to the total where the ink dried right there. And right now, it, the challenge is making sure we get it implemented. Even now, the chairman of the Ag Committee, Colin Peterson, in the House, and Senator Roberts as well, has both said that they're watching over the implementation process, being sure that the regs that are written are the intent of the committee and the intent of the legislature. That's it. You know, it can be uh, misinterpreted. Uh, Mike Conaway, chairman of the House Ag Committee, he is very aware of that. And, uh, you know, on all sides, because it's so few people in Congress that come from a rural or a farming background. You know, 75% of the members of Congress come from metropolitan areas, is what I've always been told. Only 25% of us come from a farming background. So to make sure that everything's digested in the proper manner, that everything is clear and, and everything is understood, that the implementation needs to go as smoothly as possible. But I can easily see how things can get misinterpreted. So not only do you get the uh, farm bill, the verbiage that you need, all the amendments that you need in there, and get it through that process. But when it comes to implementation, we need to make sure the intent of the committee is certainly followed through, and it can be confusion there. From Title I to conservation to rural development, 
can you flesh that out a little bit further for areas that you're particularly watching the implementation process? Well, you know, first of all, we want to make sure we have the access to the programs that would protect our farmers during droughts, during circumstances beyond their control that constantly happen in this country. And uh, that's in there. The rural development part of it, uh, we have a rural facilities guaranteed loan program in there that hospitals and medical facilities in rural areas can actually use as well. Now, we did do some changes to that. Uh, We did lift the, we made the population of the areas that can participate in that go up to 50,000. So in Mississippi, we had two cities that a rural hospital needed help with in financing, which it included those. That was Greenwood, Mississippi, and Meridian, Mississippi. So there's so many aspects to the farm bill. Uh, chronic waste disease, you know, the rural America is, you know, they're interested in those things. So other than the implementation of the programs that go directly to farmers who are on the farm feeding this country, there's a lot of aspects there. And really, everybody thinks that, you know, well, it took eight months when you are spending $800 billion and uh, you get into the implementation of that to make sure that everything that the Congress intended needs to happen. So it does take a long time to process that. But that's, you know, that's the process. That's the reason we have the committee meetings. We have the implementation there is so we can get it right. This is a multi-year farm bill. It's for five years. And, uh, but during that process, you know, that's when we have to pay attention and make sure the correct intent is being followed. The Secretary took some liberties with regard to the structure of USDA and did away with the Undersecretary for Rural Development, appointing that to a position working directly with him. Now that the Farm Bill is done, there is an Undersecretary restored. Is that the best path forward? In my opinion, it is. It is. It's so important. It's so critical. It's so crucial that I think that was a good move, that we do need an undersecretary in that position. And, uh, you know, we all really get along and try to work together. But to come up with a structure for a matrix that we can follow, I think that it was critical that it was put back in. So if the Farm Bill is done, does that mean that the workload of the Senate Ag Committee is light for the year ahead? Or what would you anticipate the senior senator from Kansas to bring before uh, the Senate Committee this year? Well, there's so many other things down the road. You know, the election is in 2020. That's when he will retire. I think we need to have 2020 vision of the things that will be in front of us during that time. The trade situation currently, you know, we're not sure exactly what direction that that's going in. But there's so many opportunities for farmers. There's so many important things that we're looking at, broadband being one of them. And it also affects other committees. It's not just the Farm Bill, the Ag Committee, that when you have banking, financing, the broadband situation, which it's a necessity now. It's just the additional utility that we have to have. So there are lots of things that we can be working on. There's lots of uh, ideas that are out there, programs that can be created during this time to be implemented to meet the needs of the future. So is the 18 Farm Bill all-encompassing for everything that's needed for rural development, or what would you add on if you could? You know, I will have to, uh, I'll have to say I'm very pleased with the Farm Bill. You know, a lot of people wanted more work requirements for the SNAP benefits. 
that was um, you know one of the sticking points with so many because we had 13 senators to vote against the farm bill which was pretty incredible but uh, you know most of that was because they didn't get everything they needed or felt like that it went to the extent that it needed to go to in the farm bill but uh, I'm very pleased with the product that we came out with I really am no one gets everything they want sure there's things that we would love to change and go back and do but overall for the benefit of our national farmers and ranchers throughout this country I think we're in a pretty good position of course you know I'm kind of the southeastern defense here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The southeastern states just have different needs than the midwestern states or, you know, the coastal states are different. But uh, as far as someone from the southeast that I feel like my position there is to represent the farmers and ranchers in every access that we possibly can. You can't cover every base, but uh, I was extremely pleased with the product that we got. Then let's talk about trade. How do you characterize what this administration has done, and how do you evaluate where it's left agriculture and Mississippi agriculture right now? Well, first of all, I thank the president for wanting to go to the mat to create a better deal. You know, we could not have a better partner than American Farm Bureau Federation, and as was mentioned earlier in this meeting, anything you bring to the committee Everyone wants to know, what does Farm Bureau think about this? The president truly has our best interest at heart. He really does. And he looked at so many programs that should have been changed 30 years ago. And we've just lived with it. But he has taken it upon himself to, yes, it creates a difficult situation. But to get to a better position where our trade is concerned, we have to have some growing pains. But to know that that is his true interest, he is certainly not there to harm any of us in the ag world, but he is there to use his abilities and what he's really been good at uh, in his lifetime and his personal business is the agreements that he sees is just so beneficial to the other side and not to the United States. And uh, I am absolutely thrilled that he is there to renegotiate some of this that is willing to take the hard stand because there's so many former presidents that certainly were concerned but you know he got out there and he did it he made the hard decisions but I truly think that the farmers and ranchers in this country will benefit greatly from the trade wars that we're going through right now and that's the important thing is sure we're going to suffer for a short term But if our children and grandchildren benefit long-term from that, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and get through this and do this. But the main thing is I trust the president. I trust his leadership in this. And I personally know that it is for a better farming and agriculture community. By the trade war, we are not exporting as much, and there is a surplus. And by farmers' natural ability to produce more, we have. We find ourselves in a surplus situation in 2019. There were market facilitation program payments that came from the administration uh, for 2018. But what about 19? Is the farm bill adequate? Is there enough resources there to keep our farmers afloat? We hope that it can carry through 2019. But when you ask what can the Ag Committee be doing right now, 
to uh, help the country in the situation we're in, that is exactly it. We do have a surplus in many commodities. And to figure out and get innovative in what we can do to get just a little relief from that. You know, we, uh, we've already met on some things in different groups that I'm a part of, of uh, trying to think outside the box that would use, you know, just like our federal prisons you know, to uh, be able to get better contracts and serve, literally serve the food to our federal prison in commodities that they may not be using right now because that is something that we're paying for anyway. But there's a lot of programs that, uh, you know, we are forced to look at different markets than we've ever looked at before. So when we get to the other side, when maybe we get to some smooth sailing, that uh, things, the ripples may not be as deep, maybe we would benefit then to the additional markets that we were forced to look at. What about the appropriation process in 2019? Obviously, you have a farm bill written, but it's when the money is appropriated that you really can come down to perhaps substantial changes in policy. How do you see appropriations moving ahead, knowing that a budget ceiling vote has to come or else there's a budget axe? Oh, yes. Of course, I'm from the conservative side. I am from the extreme conservative side because it just benefits this country, in my opinion, to uh, make sure we're spending every dollar wisely. But we are at an impasse. We're at a position right now, even with the budget, um, that we it's one of those things that we're certainly hoping for the best. None of us wants to see the government shut down. None of us want to see that. But... That is the leverage that the president has, and he is so intent on the security of a southern border wall. But I have been in the Rio Grande River. I have had my bulletproof vest on with machine guns all the way around me going up and down that river, and I've talked to the landowners, the farmers, the people who are raising beef cattle on the border, and the drug cartels are running the border. I have had those people say, we are afraid to even check our herds. And, you know, they tell them when they need to disappear for a while. And I am strongly supporting the president on that border security, the border wall there, whatever it turns out to be. You know, over 90% of the heroin that comes into this country is coming right through there through Mexico. Every community, the rural communities, the metropolitan communities, if we could move that needle just a little to curb some of the drug trafficking that is coming through, it is going to benefit this entire country in so many ways. But uh, when you look at the facts that are consistent, that just heroin, 90%, we could put a dent in that, in my opinion, at the benefits that that would prove of coming into this country, the opioid issue that we have right now. So, you know, it's more than just immigration of who's legal and who's not legal. There's so many issues that we're living with that is crushing our budget, the money that we're spending on, on the social issues that are totally relevant to the drugs coming across that border. Um, There's just... uh, It's time that we do something. We've been working on it 25 years. This is nothing new. So, uh, you know, I just think that we need to support him in that. We need to get a budget passed, and we need to get there. We need to continue working in any facet that we possibly can to get this resolved, and I certainly want to be a part of that. 
drawing our conversation to a conclusion, you're a rare commodity in Washington because you come from an agricultural background. You understand farmers and ranchers. What do you note of the rural-urban divide in Washington, and does that become a bigger issue in 2019 and beyond? The thing that I have found in my short period that I have been uh, in D.C. is that people like the confidence of talking to someone. Obviously, I'm a former commissioner of agriculture for my entire state, and we make our living uh, raising beef cattle. They have a lot of confidence in what I have to say. So you have to be really careful uh, when you visit with these people because they're, they're leaning on me because they don't have that background. Even the president. You know, he can be loud and proud about many things of commerce and trade, but when it comes to agriculture, he gets really quiet and he listens. My colleagues in the U.S. Senate, they're the same way. Uh, they, uh, you know, they say, I don't have to worry about learning any of this stuff because I'm just going to ask Cindy. Cindy's going to lead us in the direction because that's how they make their living and that's what her background is in. So I don't find a lot of animosity there or, you know, someone with ill will that, you know, they're battling for the dollars. The uh, common denominator here is we all eat. We all want safe, affordable food. And, uh, you know, that is certainly a national security. We do not need to depend on anybody else to uh, for our production agriculture. And most people understand that. You have a few radicals out there that, uh, you know, they they don't see the big picture. And they just like to, you know, create issues when there's nothing there to be created out of those. You're going to have that in any organization. But for the bulk, for the majority, they're reasonable, they listen to you, and they usually follow my lead. And uh, those of us from the ag world, especially the American Farm Bureau, they, they've established that confidence over a 100 years that they listen to them. So, uh, you know, I don't see it as a battle. I, uh, it's just like there's so many issues that I may have a go-to person that I go to that uh, I'm not that familiar with. But as far as agriculture and production agriculture, it's usually a trust among my colleagues because of the background. Chairman Roberts and Chairman Peterson have both suggested that climate change may see hearings in their respective chambers. Is that a debate that we're prepared for, and is there a downfall from it or an opportunity for agriculture in a climate change debate? Well, you know, anybody's willing to listen to any science-based facts that are brought forward. So uh, the hearings, you know, I don't have a lot of heartburn over that. Um, You know, pretty much ready to stand our ground on things that aren't science-based and that are sound bites or, you know, something popular for one person to maybe get a little publicity. So uh, I'm willing to sit down and listen to anyone, but uh, with the realization that... You know, let's see the facts for the facts. Senator Hyde-Smith, we want to thank you for taking time from a very busy schedule to spend with us on Open Mic. We thank you for being here. It's tradition of Open Mic. You get the last word. Well, first of all, you know, I just have always respected this program. And as I was telling Sarah earlier, you know, I used to listen to it every morning or I would tune in to see what the email was about that came out early that morning. And I just really appreciate the sound um, media that you know you can trust, that you don't have any issues with, that is willing to put it out there, especially when it concerns agriculture. 
So uh, we have a lot of media wars and battles with different organizations that uh, can be so contentious. So thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, being willing to let us get our message out, to have that avenue, that resource that we can tell you what's going on in D.C., and uh, to have that common respect, that mutual respect for each other. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate the opportunity that you've given me. Our thanks to Mississippi U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food fiber and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.